Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, God certainly has done great things. Amen? Amen. So greetings this Lord's Day in the mighty name of Jesus. There is no other name given among men that has the power to send darkness fleeing the other direction. Amen? Amen? At the name of Jesus, the Bible tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Every demon must submit. If you remember when the Uh, disciples came back, they said, even the devils are subject to us, right? It's an amazing thing. God is great and greatly to be praised. And today we gather into his house as his people, knowing that it is wisdom that leads us to faith and to not have fear. There's a lot that we might be afraid of. There's a lot of things that scare us. In fact, if you were going to characterize some of our lives and our day-to-day, a lot of it is based on fear. But we're not the people of fear. Everybody say, I am not of fear. I am not of fear. We are not. God, the Bible says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Right? That's not of God. That's, that's from somewhere else. But he's given us the spirit of power and of love, and of a sound mind. You know, the psalmist declared this in Psalm 91, because fears are a real thing. We're going to talk about fear today. Can you tell what we're going to talk about today? We're not just going to talk about fear, but we're going to talk about courage as well. Psalm 91 reminds us of some pretty scary things. As we get into Psalm uh, 27, as that's what we're working our way through, we're going to talk about that too. But in Psalm 91... He says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust. He shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid. Everybody say, I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. Folks, we have to live understanding that we are in Christ. We're not out there alone. We're not facing all of these things by ourselves. But we are in Christ. That's what it means to have your habitation with God. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall there be any plague that comes near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. God even cares about us tripping and falling. and The enemy can't have us, but 
we could trip. And he's saying, you know, I even care about that. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon. Thou shalt trample them under your feet because he hath set his love upon me. And therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer. And I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him with long life. Hear how David took the voice of God here. He's saying, I'm going to do this. He calls, I'll answer. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's what God has for us today. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We are thankful today that the gates of hell, they cannot prevail against us. That our victory is assured. That you go before us preparing the way as John the Baptist prepared the way for your coming. You said that you go before us preparing the way that your angels encamp about us. That we are not living alone, but that we are dwelling in you and you in us. I pray today as we come in your presence, knowing we are sinful creatures, we also know that you are a forgiving God and that your blood will cover us and cleanse us and wash us. Lord, I know that we also are oftentimes hungering and thirsting, but as the scripture teaches us, when we hunger and we thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. We pray today as we gather in your presence that you would feed us from heaven and that you would change us so that we might be more like you. In Christ's name, all God's people said amen. 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 preaching to you from Psalm 27, and my sermon title today is Fear Forgets, But Courage Waits. Fear Forgets, But Courage Waits. My text, I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole psalm. Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh. Ha ha! Uh, they stumbled and fell. I know there's no laugh in there, but I can kind of hear one. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me and put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over under the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. Everybody say I believe to see. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, 
on the Lord. Let us pray. Lord God, what we are anticipating right now is that you will speak to us because that's what we want to hear. We want to hear your word and we want to hear it breathed out from your heart as it comes from your word. Lord, I pray that you would use me as an instrument to do this very thing, Lord, so that I may hear your word as well as all those who stand here before me. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, Psalm 27 is Pastor Mark's favorite psalm, so you know. I've already preached on it a couple times this year at other places where I have been, and it's a wonderful and amazing thing how you can read the exact same thing and get a completely different message. At the Shepherds Conference, I preached to the men who were there. Many of them, I know, uh, needed to be bolstered in their Christian manliness. And I preached a message with a great deal of swagger. <laughs> the Lord is my light and my salvation, you know. And, and the guys were going, whoa, you know, and it was great. <laughs> the Lord's the strength of my life. And I was imagining uh, that, that bravado that comes out when you're standing uh, on a valley and you're looking down at your enemies and you're scared inside, but you're like, yeah, I'm about to go down there and I'm about to pull out my sword. Yeah, you know. And so I was preaching to the men because they, they got tough things to face. But as I was preparing for today and, and, and you know, I, in my mind, I'm, I, I'm working as I'm writing and, and working on these things. I'm, I want to write you know, I want to put together a book about the Psalms because it takes a lot of study and work to go through them and understand their meaning. And although there's a ton of bravado in Psalm 27, the main message really is it is instructing us and it is reminding us about what fear does to us and how God can cure us of that. How he can perfect us from that, as Brother Andy was reading. Our, the love of God is made perfect in us in a certain way. We're going to learn about how that is. You heard me preach a sermon a while ago called Fear Makes Us Forget. Now, I don't even know if it was called that, but that was a main point in the sermon. I preach about that as well. Fear is a nasty thing. One of the things that God has uh, put on my heart is what I would call a life message is that we are to live lives of faith and not fear. Fear causes us to forget who we are. But more importantly, it causes us to forget who God is. Fear causes us to forget faith waits. Now, when I say that, I almost don't want to... I can't even stop right there. Because when I say it waits, some of you might be imagining what it was like to come to church today as you were waiting on your spouse to get in the car or your kids to get up and get ready. Wait, that's not what this word means. Faith expects. This is what this means. Faith is waiting, Matt. You know how you're waiting on our plane to land with your sound reinforcing headphones on so you forgot that we were coming home and uh, that kind of thing. So, but fear expects somebody to come. My kids know what this is like when, uh, when the Murphys are coming from out of town, they climb the trees. You know, we go to visit the Murphys. They're out in the yard. They're, they're like, the Robinettes are coming. They're coming. They're looking down the road. What are they doing? They're waiting. They're waiting. That's what Faith does. Faith is like, come on, where are they? They're coming. They texted. We heard they're on Bala Road and they're coming down. We heard they're fine. Oh, they turned on the Brumley Gap. They're coming. That's what, that's what faith does. Faith is looking and expecting that God is going to arrive right on time. It looks up for him in the clouds of our distress, expecting his salvation. Fear waits for the next thing to drop. Boom. 
Fear waits for that thing to happen that we can't recover from. Fear fills us with dread about our future. And faith waits. It goes, ah, where's God? <laughs> I know he's coming. I don't know when he's going to get here. All oh, this story's about to get good. That's what faith does. Fear causes us to retreat from the world. Faith reminds us that we are in the world, but not of it. You understand the difference? Fear causes us to run and to be scared and, and to be worried and try to guard and protect ourselves and, and cloister ourselves off. But faith reminds us that we are in the world, but we're just not of it. Faith never retreats, never surrenders, never forgets the God that gave it. What is faith? It's a gift of God. Fear forgets, but courage waits. Everybody say, courage waits. Fear keeps us from sharing our true self with others and keeps us from confessing our faults and failures and sins when God has commanded us to do this. Fear says, if they knew who I really was, they wouldn't like me. If they knew what I've really done, they couldn't forgive me. Fear says that brother or sister won't love me if they know how I've treated them really. And God says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another. Don't pretend like you're not what you are. Folks, I'm telling you, hypocrisy is ugly. Showing up and pretending and putting a smile on your face when there's something between you and your brother is ugly. God doesn't like that. God would prefer we wrestled in the backyard and got it out. You hurt me. This isn't right. I've been struggling over this. You go, oh, I don't know if we can survive it. Folks, let me tell you what you can't survive is a cowardice retreat into yourself that fears what will happen if you don't. Fear keeps us from sharing ourselves with others. Faithful courage does not rely on personal perfection or God uh, or uh, what we have done in our life, but it expects God's salvation because uh, of something we've done in our past. I used to be like this. I used to think, you know, I've done really good. I, should, I can expect God to show up. <laughs> Folks, if you're expecting God to show up because you've been good, Something just tells me, Brother Steve, he's going to leave you hanging in the wind for a while. Just like if we went to heaven, we go, okay, God, I'm here and I've been really good. Heaven's about to get a whole lot better because I'm showing up. I don't think the gates are going to swing open wide for you. Our good brother John, the beloved of our Lord and Savior, Jesus wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Brother Andy read it for us today. I'm, I'm, you know, I love hearing God's word read, and I'm listening to Andy read that. Andy, and I'm just, I'm like, I'm going to just jump off the stage and start preaching. I, in fact, I'm tempted just to go to 1 John chapter 4 and preach it, but we, we're going to get to the psalm. I know, just, just hold on. I got one hour right from right now, and then I'm quitting, okay? Come on, brother, go ahead. It says in 1 John that the love that God has in us is made perfect. Now, let me explain that. God's love is perfect, but when the perfect love of God comes to live in imperfect people, let me just tell you, there's kind of a blending that goes with it, right? God fills us with his love. He fills us with faith, but we don't exactly know how to do it. We kind of mingle it with badness and our sinfulness, right? Didn't, didn't the apostle Paul say, while God's with me and while good is here, evil is here too. Who can deliver me from this body, this dreadful body of sin? He struggled with that. Folks, you do too. And let me tell you the pollution wherewith God's love is polluted. The dross. It's called fear. That's what it says in John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect. Remember, King James, perfect means mature. Your kids are little, but one day they mature and they can have other kids. They grow up. They, they are become fruitful. 
Herein is our love made perfect. How many want love that bears fruit? Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. So he's explaining, he's like, you're in the world, Jesus was in the world. Jesus' life was fruitful. His love obviously was perfect. Jesus wasn't afraid, but we are. Here's what he said, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Perfect love does what? So that kind of answers our question. What is the dross? What is, the, what is that nasty thing in us that competes with the love of God and, and keeps it child, the wrong kind of childlike, immature, unfruitful? What is it? It's fear. I've known this. I, I've been around people and I get around them and I'm like, what is wrong with them? And, and what I've figured out is that they're just immature. It's not that they're heathens and they're going to hell. It's that they're filled with fear because they haven't grown up. And people whose lives are made motivated by fear, fear of their children being lost, fear of what the world is going to do, fear of everything, and, and that causes this retreatist mentality, that kind of love really isn't mature. It's not grown up. Grown up loves, there is no fear in love. Trusting your children and that what God began in them, he's going to finish it. That's how, that's how we should think, guys. How many of you have the power to save your children? If any hand goes up, I'm hitting you with a songbook. <laughs> what can change a sinner's heart? The rod. The rod. I'll beat this knot out of him. No. Yes, we do apply the rod. Yes, we are active in sanctification. But I'm telling you right now, God saves people. We don't. God tells us to go because we have the power. He doesn't tell us to run away so we can keep it safe. In fact, people that bury what they have or hide what they have under a bushel, God rebukes them. You are a city what? Set on a hill that cannot be hid. What we want to do, we want to hide. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid we're going to lose our money, so we bury it. We're afraid that the world's going to see us or, or they're going to influence our children. And so we hide under a bushel rather than be in a city on a hill. I'm telling you, fear retreats, but faith advances. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts it out. I love it. No, it doesn't just say it purifies it. <laughs> it says it casts it out. I'm picturing the, the demoniac of Gadara filled with thousands of demons and Jesus going, get out. And they rush out and they fill the swine and then they're drowning in the froth of the Sea of Galilee. That's what love does to fear. You might go, oh, I'm riddled with it. My whole wife's riddled with it. Folks, I'm telling you, you need to pray that God would cast it out by his love and that we would live lives of holy boldness. He says, that we might have boldness. You're not going to have boldness if you've got what? There is a, this is a power-packed two verses, so don't miss the great revelation from God here. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. The love of God within us matures. It starts inside our sinful bodies one way, but it eventually, God purifies it and perfects it and matures it so that the love grows to where it bears fruit. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, abide in me and I in you. And if you do what you will, you're going to bear fruit. And he says, a lot of fruit. How many want to bear a lot of fruit? How many of you want God's love to grow up and be matured in you and have your fear cast out? I do. How many of you want to be purified by the Holy Spirit, to be sanctified, to be set apart to God? You know, we think being sanctified, sanctified and set apart to God is, is more like the Jewish way that they did it. Where they would take a, a, a lamb and they would, you know, they would tie it up and they would set it apart from their animals and they would do this. And, and that's, that's fine. That's what they needed to do because that's what God commanded. But God was giving it a picture not of what we do to ourselves. No sheep ever set itself apart. They did. 
God sanctifies us. God sets us apart. God will perfect this love in our children, in our own hearts and minds. Verse 18 tells us that this pollution that manifests itself in the perfect love of God is fear. No fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. And it says this, it adds this. It says, because fear has torment. And torment's not a, fear is inconvenient. Fear is difficult. No, that's a great word, guys. If you spend any time counseling with people, dealing with problems, you're going to find this word torment is very appropriate. So many people are tormented by fear constantly, day in and day out. I'm not a good mother. I'm not a good wife. My kids aren't going to serve the Lord. The world's going to get us. It's all going to, they're going to take over and Google's going to own everything. And, 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 and you know, they're, they're, they're putting chemtrails across the sky and, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're, we're living in the matrix and it's all going to be bad. And we got to, oh, and we laugh at those little things, but because they're funny, because they seem silly, but honest, real tormenting fear is not very funny. People that get hurt live in fear of what? They're going to get hurt more. People don't love, you know, because they aren't, they know that when they did love, when they did put it out there, when they did show that friendship, someone just stomped on it. And so what do they do? They withdraw and they say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to love people. And then they can't hurt me anymore. That's torment. It doesn't work. God didn't make us like that. Perfect love casts out all fear. When I was, I was a 15-year-old kid, I wrote a poem, Andy. I got my heart hurt and, and I said, I said, I will not live in fear of what may come to me. My heart is set. I keep loving, loving stronger yet, not living in fear of what may come to me. I saw myself like holding my, ripping out, you know, and just going, I'm going to love. I don't care. They can step on me. They can walk on me. They can use me. That's all right. You might go, that's, Mark, that just sounds crazy. Huh, let me tell you what that is. That's called being a pastor and being a friend. It's when you are afraid of what they will do that you don't do what God's word says to do. That's what fear does. It torments you in your marriage, in your relationship with your children. It torments you in your day-to-day -day life. It keeps you from going out and reaching the lost. They're just going to reject me. They don't want to hear it. And, and you forget. Uh, look around. There's a few here that did receive it. There's a few here that not only did receive it, but, you know, but they played Remy Q with you over the holidays. Not only did they do receive it, but they played guitar in your church. Amen? Perfect love casts out all fear and says, I'm going to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in here. And if they yell at me, if they tell me I'm stupid, who cares? Right? Anybody get mad at the one you're pulling off the highway who's, you know, hurt? Call it wounded dog syndrome. I've been bitten by dogs. I'm trying to pull out a road, keep from getting run over a second time. So what? So they bite you. You'll heal up. God's word teaches us in Proverbs 1.7, this progressive nature of relationship with God, with knowledge, with everything. You know, fear, God's made everything, even fear. So don't think there's a contradiction in what I'm about to read from Proverbs chapter 1. Just understand fear, there's one kind of fear that's okay. And it's very useful. But do you know even that is cast out? And you may go, now, come on, Mark, I don't know about that. Oh, no, no, I'm telling you right now. Andy read it for us in 1 John. He said, when fear is based, when, when your, your relationship with someone is based on the fear of the punishment and the consequences, it's not, that's not, that's not mature love. 
right? We know this with our little kids. I mean, can you just love them, Jonathan and Ashley? And maybe this, you know, might be something, you, you know, we got to focus on. We think we're just loving them. We're loving them like they're grown up, but like they get it. They don't get it. They're just little kids. They're stupid. They got to learn. And so we're like real kind and real nice. And we're like, and what they actually need is to learn to fear the rod, right? We know this little kids, little, if, if they didn't fear the rod, I mean, I was at the airport last night and this kid, this guy, Jack, don't go over here. And so what's Jack do? He goes over there. Don't mess with the conveyor belt with the luggage. He runs on the conveyor belt. You know, I literally wanted to grab him by his ear. I felt like I was like an 80 year old guy. I'm like, mm. I'm like, I was going to tell this guy, I'm like, Hey buddy, you're not doing your kid any favors. If he dies here at the airport, it's going to be a bad day for you. His kid had no fear. You see, fear, it says in Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Everybody say the beginning. beginning. The beginning of knowledge. Things start in fear. First, we need to understand fear, right? Fearing the power of the ocean is a smart thing to do. Fearing a snake that might bite you, that's a good thing. Fearing walking in the road over there so you don't get run over, that's all right. Fearing not obeying mom and dad because you get whacked. That's good, but it's the beginning. Everybody say, that's the beginning. beginning. If you're still beating your kids when they're 23, 24, 25, something's wrong. I didn't pick any specific age here, Jonathan. You're 23. I think he's the only 23-year-old kid I know here, but how many 20-year-olds do we have here? Are you 24? I'm sorry. All right, hey, are you 23? 22? Well, there you have it. We don't have a 23-year-old, so I feel pretty safe. Okay. We don't beat our kids. That's not the goal. What are you hoping is going to happen? You're hoping they're going to love you. And then after they learn to love you, they're going to love who? They're going to love God. You know, you should be afraid of what your kids are going to do if they're just afraid of you. Because when you're not around to scare the living daylights out of them or when there's not a consequence, they're going to do what they want. But when they love you, when they love, more importantly, God, it doesn't matter who's around. We got a text message that our kids were uh, on the road and there's snowstorm and so they got to do something. So they go to the Kaiser's house. The Kaisers are out, you know, and we had all these young people and Mrs. Kaiser like, we'll just open our house and they can all stay there. And is that okay? I'm like, well, sure. It's just fine. Not afraid of that. Now, for good measure, what, they had a woman of the church come over there and stay over the house or whatever. But, but I'm not afraid. I'm not living my life in terror that my kids are going to go, you know, get a Jesus tattoo and, and join the circus. I'm just, I'm just not afraid of that. I'm just not afraid of that. If you're afraid of that, I don't think you've taught your children to love God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We start with fear, and some of us are still there. Some of you grown people are still there. You're just afraid. That's a start, but that's not a finish. That's not where you're going. Where you want to go is when that is cast out. I know we haven't even got Psalm 27. Oh, we're in trouble. Verse uh, Proverbs 9:10: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning, but it is not the end. First John tells us that love is the end. And it is how it's perfected is by casting every single bit of fear out. Steve, when your kids clean your house and do this and that out of love for you, if, that ever, if you, they ever do that, that's the day you're waiting that's the day. If you're like, you guys don't do it, I'm going to beat the living fire out of you, you know, and then they still don't do it, right? Because <laughs> you love them too much and you can't stand it. But, but the deal is, is that when someone does something out of love, it's totally different and it's different for them. The beginning of knowledge and wisdom are indeed fear, but it's the fear of God. Today here in Psalm 27, we see a song contrasting 
many fears, and we could talk all day. And honestly, as I was reading through this, this is like a, a five-part series we could do on fear, but we're not. We're just going to do this. We're going to go through this. It contrasts our fears, which are many, with faith-filled courage. And what does it do? Courage waits and expects for God to come. And fear forgets who we are and who God is. That's kind of a great definition, I think. This hopeful courage never leads the people of God to shame. But fear always does. Now, once again, as we look into this psalm, we remember that it is, as most of these early psalms have been, a psalm of David. It starts off with that, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is verse 1. He asked the same question twice. And he did this for emphasis. And it, it kind of reminded me of, of what we do when we're scared. Anybody ever talk to yourself? Okay. I can do this. Right? You guys ever do? You're, you're Luke. You've got this job. And the window is 100 miles up in the air. And you're like, if I don't do this, I don't get paid. And, you know... Lauren can't buy the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip for the kids for Christmas, right? And, and so, so you're like, I got to climb the ladder. I got to go up there, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so you're like, I can do this. It's not that high. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to fall. God's with me. What, that's, what do we do? What? We, we talk to ourselves. We reassure ourselves. The Lord, he says, he asks the same question twice. He's not really looking for an answer so much as he is making the point that, that sometimes we need to ask ourselves. When we're afraid, we need to ask ourselves some questions. What, what do I have to be afraid of here? And then your answer might be falling out of the, falling off the ladder. But in life, it's not like that. The fears that we're talking about here, obviously there are things to be aware of. Safety, that kind of thing. But a life of fear is not the one for the Christian He's reminding us that people need to ask themselves and they need to hear their answer out loud. Right? You ever do this? You're like, okay, all right. I'm a pastor's daughter here. You ever do this? You ever talk about who you are? You ever like kind of talk about who you are? I'm a... Okay, you don't. Okay, you do. <laughs> All right, now wait a minute. I'm about to go off the rails here. I'm about not to do right. This is, okay, all right, all right, all right, okay. I'm getting it together. I'm going to do right, right? This is what you do. You talk to yourself. I remember being at the top of a diving board. I may, maybe, some people think I'm not as scared. I'm scared of all kinds of things besides mice. <laughs> I remember being at the top of a diving board. I'm there and I'm like, okay. All of those little kids that are like two foot tall have already jumped off of this. <laughs> I can't go back down anyway. <sighs> They're going to make fun of me. That's even scarier than getting hurt. And you talk to yourself, right? Now that's just a diving board, a pool. But what about when you're scared of something more difficult, like coming to your mom and dad and telling them the thing you did that they don't know about? You go, all right, if I don't come and tell them, I'm going to do this again. If I don't come and tell them, I'm going to be a slave to this. I need some help. That's scary. Kids, you're growing up. Don't live a life like that. Your mom and dad love you. They will help you. Don't, don't let sin slither its way into your life and lock you up. This is the right thing. I need to do this. You might say to yourself. You see, with, what the, what the, with the heart, the Bible tells us man believes it, but sometimes we need to confess it with our mouth. We need to say this. All right, I'm going to do the right thing here. You, you may never do this. Sometimes I get scared of myself and I go, I'm not going to do this. 
I'm going to do what's right. Anybody, you got, you just, you got a weird pastor probably. <laughs> One way that the love of God can cast out your fear is by questioning yourself. Okay, who are you? You ever do this? Who, all right, who am I? Who do I want to be? Where's this going to lead? Here in the case, David is declaring what fear has made him forget, right? The Lord's my light and my salvation. Who should I be afraid of? The Lord is the strength of my life. What should I be afraid of? He's reminding himself there's nothing. David's situation is dark and scary. And so he says, the Lord is my light, right? And if you go through this, he uses things that are scary, like the dark, like war, like abandonment. It's all in here, folks. Like what people think, like false accusations. It's all in here. The things we're afraid of are in the psalm. Situation looks hopeless. He reminds himself. God's my salvation. We think of God's my salvation almost like a, like a poster. Folks, God is my salvation means he thinks that he's going to die. He needs to be saved. You're sinking, you know, in the water and you've gone down twice. He's reminding himself God saves. He's a desperately afraid in this moment of time. Not... Not a, not, it's not a slogan for a bumper sticker. God is my salvation. God saves me. You know, when I, no, no, no. He's not talking about that kind of salvation. He's saying, I need God to show up. And I need to remember God shows up. It's like those Hebrew children. Oh, my God can. You can pull me. You can throw me in the fiery furnace if you want to. But my God is able to deliver me and he will. The Lord is, and, and so he's remembering what God is, but he's remembering who is. He's not just the light. He is my light. The Lord is my light. And my, he's not just salvation. He's what? He's my salvation. He's not just uh, light. He's my light. And then he says, he's the strength of my life. He's reminding that any strength he had wasn't his own. It didn't come from him. So he might be feeling powerless and go, I'm, I'm feeling powerless, but the strength of my life is Lord. Sometimes when fear has made us forget, we need to declare who he is and who we are. I love it. I love the kids. They call themselves the who's because they go around asking themselves, who are you? God is great and powerful and I belong to him. God saves his children. And guess who I am? Ah, I'm his child. You know, when you forget that you're his child, I mean, I, I, I've probably told the story, but it really affected me. I was getting beat up one time and my cousin heard about it from across the, wherever it was. And he launched himself like a missile. I, I've never seen anything like this in all my life. He beat the living tar out of that kid. And I'm like, yeah, that's my cousin. <laughs> He's like, that's my, he goes, you don't touch my cousin again. I'm like, Bill is my cousin. He will hurt you if you touch me again. It's a big kid. God's bigger than all those kids. Amen. Fear causes us to forget, but courage comes when we remember, you know, Pastor Nang tells a story about his uncle being super, super tough and and athletic and he could fight and he said he remembered walking around town like this and he's laughing about it now he goes I'm little man he goes but I think I am big because my uncle he's so tough and people are backing away and I'm thinking they're backing away because I am tough he goes but they are not they're backing away because my uncle will beat them up he said I walked around I stood around and he compared this to his walk with God for a while he thought he was something He goes, I'm only in verse two. I, I'm, I'm going to get through this, but I think you're starting to get this message. You starting to hear it? <laughs> when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Wow. His enemies want to eat him. I mean, there's some imagery. 
That's scary. I mean, getting killed is one thing, but like being cannibalized, that's, that's, that's a whole other thing. I mean, the slow, they're building the fire and the cooking of the pot, and they're letting you know that after they kill you, they're going to eat you. I mean, that's like got to be like the scariest, right? Maybe I've just seen, watched too much, too many TV shows. Here in verse 2, we hear a testimony of what God has done in the past. He's in the middle of this situation, and he's like, you know what? When my enemies came the last time, you know what God did? He tripped them, and they fell on their face. See, what's he doing? He's scared. He's remembering. Fear wants you to do what? Forget. So you want to, how to cast out fear? And I wish I was better at these little points for you could write them on down. Are you know how to cast it out? Everybody say remembering. remembering. My kids are always going, I, they see me worrying. They're like, dad, do you like forget everything? You're acting like God hasn't showed up every single time you've had a need. You've act like God hasn't answered like more of your prayers than anybody we know. And you're acting like he's not going to do it again. Are, are you brain damaged? I'm like, yeah, I think so. I get scared too. Remembering is a powerful tool that we can use while we wait, and it helps us wait, not in fear and dread, but in anticipation. So first you're scared, what's coming next, what's coming next, they're going to get me, they're going to get me. But then when it goes from fear to courage, now you're like, oh, they're in trouble. They think they're out to get me. They think they're going to take me down. But don't you remember what happened to the last guy? Don't you remember the people that were coming against me? Oh, they stumbled and fell and God smashed them. And then he goes from remembering to proclaiming what is going to happen now. That's what he does here. He goes from total faithlessness to, to next. He's really over the top. Okay. Before we do that, I get carried away. I, I have to look down once in a while. Do you remember Isaiah 40, 31? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The waiting here is the same kind of waiting. It's not a, uh, I'm resting and I got my feet up and, and uh, I'm going to get all charged up and ready to go out and conquer the enemy. No, no, no. Waiting on the Lord is looking and waiting and expecting. When you go from being afraid and waiting for the next bad thing to happen, and you start living a life looking for what God is getting ready to do in your life, then waiting actually isn't quite so bad. You're like, oh, what God's going to do is going to be so neat. I don't even know what it is, but man, it's going to be good. I mean, I got a call today from, from Pastor Nang this morning that an army is occupying the area where we were going to put on this clinic. But so we may not go there. <laughs> we may go somewhere else. We're not going where the army is, just so you know. I'm not going to do that. But if we were there and they came, I'm telling you right now, faith would say, oh, well, they think they're here. They think they're going to do what in the world? They're in trouble. They're coming against God's people. I, I, I'm looking for stinger missiles to start flying from the C-130. My enemies purposed to eat me like dinner, but instead they fell. They tripped on their faces. God tripped them and they fell. And then he gets over the top and he goes, this is, what, this is when he starts swaggering around with his chest out. If a host encamped against me, I'm not even going to be afraid. Right. Then he takes it up a level. The whole war. The war should rise against me. They, they can besiege my city. No problem. Their whole nation can come against mine. God's going to punch them in the face. And he's going to strike them down. And then the lightnings are going to come from the Ark of the Covenant. And he's going to strike them down. You see what's happening inside of him? He's moving from fear and questioning he goes to remembering. He goes to declaring. And after he remembers and he declares, now he's proclaiming the future. Though I'm besieged, let me tell you, I'm not going to be afraid. Though war is against me. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, I'm going to be confident. He's not just saying I'm not going to be afraid. He said, I'm going to be confident. I mean, don't we want to be like Elisha? Where the armies encamped around him and, and, and his servant, this, this young man, says, oh no, oh no. And he goes, Lord, could you just open the man's eyes so he can see? I don't think that, that 
uh, Elisha could see any of that. He knew it was there. I've never seen an angel. You ever seen one, Annie? I've never looked out in my yard and seen him encamped. I had someone describe it one time, these giant war horses with angels and these big swords. And, you know, you kind of picture like the aura of like godly steam coming off their body. And they're like, oh, come here. They're tough guys. I've never seen anything like that. And I don't think Elisha could either. But he knew it was there. That's what faith does. Faith goes, the angel of the Lord encamps about those who fear him. God sends his angels before to prepare the way. God isn't going to lose here. He knew and to show his servant what he knew was there, even though he didn't have to see. The Bible says faith doesn't have to see it. In fact, it's better when faith doesn't see it. It is faith when we don't see it. When we see it, all we're doing is going, oh, yeah, <laughs> now we're tough. But we don't live like that. We can't see all the angels that are. We don't know. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And his confidence that he declares as a good one is one I think we should, we should just own it. You want to cast out fear? Set your desire in verse 4. One thing. Everybody say one thing. You know, when we have 87 points to remember and we write them all down, but one thing is we can remember one thing, right? One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Guys, are we trying to be good and trying to uh, impressive and trying to be strong and trying to, or how about this? How about if we just seek one thing? One thing have I desired of the Lord. Our kids came home and, and they're like, you know, this young man, Danny Craig, preached a message and it really affected all of them. And honestly, I was sort of struggling in my own self going, you know, I preached a lot of messages, you know. But honestly, I was so thankful. This young man preached a message to them and said, you know what? If, if we had the end goal in mind in everything we do, if we understood that our lives were this big and eternity is vast and limitless, we wouldn't be so concerned about what we get or don't get or what happens to us in this little teeny tiny period of time that we're focusing all of our thoughts on what would happen if we started setting our affections on eternity and we didn't worry about whether we got married or we didn't or where we lived or or how much money we made or whatever we did and we thought about pleasing God and we put our focus on that now the Bible tells us when you do that what does he do he takes care of all that other stuff because we got to live somewhere we got to eat something right he says, one thing, though, David says, a man after God's own heart said, one thing, I think we should pay attention. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. David wasn't looking at his sword. He wasn't looking at his chariots. Remember, God had forbid them even to own chariots. You guys know this? Or even keep horses. Why? They would trust in him. Horses and chariots are great things. Don't have them. Why? You'll trust in him if you have them. God, God tried to teach them at Jericho that it wasn't about their strength, right? Walk around and the walls will fall down. I'll provide for your needs. I'll rain bread out of heaven. And, and what do they do? They don't take anything. Just leave it all to God. And they start stuffing it in their pockets. That's what we do. God brings us out of the wilderness and we start stuffing our pockets with everything in the promised land when God says, leave it on the ground. I'll bring you what you need. One thing have I desired, Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Man, what if that was just it? That's all we focused on. To behold the beauty of the Lord. What if we weren't looking at ourselves and our weaknesses and what everybody else does? That's what we do. We get discontent when we go, well, what about them? Look what they got. Look what's happening in their life. Look what's not happening in my life. Look what they get. Am I ever going to get that? Oh, fear makes girls run after boys and try to make them like them and makes girls pretend they are what they're not so that they want to marry them. That's what fear does. And fear marries the wrong people. 
He declares in verse 5, Fear in the time of trouble, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. He now took himself out of the world and at the mercy of the world in some worldly city where he can be besieged. And he goes, because God's going to put me in his house. I mean, do you really think David's afraid that the enemy's going to break in there? <laughs> Enemy. Do you, do you think that heaven is, is, has guards on standby trying to, you know, because they just might build a battering ram like they did at, you know, Masada? No, they're, they're not going to ramp any sand up to the side of it and put a battering ram on the doors of heaven. Of course not. One thing about his eye of the Lord. In the time of trouble, he'll hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He will set my feet upon a rock. You see, David lived on the rock of Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And I'm sure he was tempted to trust in that rock, but he remembered that it was his servants that swam under the, through the, you know, the waterway and took that city and someone took it and someone can take it again, right? He reminded that he's going to be set on God's rock. Anybody going to take that rock? I don't think so. He says in verse six, now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore, will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy? I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises of, to the Lord. You want to make you want to dispel. You want to cast out fear. Then sing joyful songs to the Lord when you're afraid. Verse seven, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon me. Answer me. When thou said, seek ye my face, you know what my heart said? Thy face, Lord, will I seek. See, it wasn't, he wasn't wanting to seek him to, to do, just, just seek me, I'll take care of the rest. That is the one thing. David reminded himself in verse 9 as he calls out to God, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Remember in Psalm 51 when he's praying, he's like, Lord, Break my bones, the bone, that the bones that thou have broken may rejoice. But Lord, oh, cast me not away from thy presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Then will I teach sinners your way. Right? He understood that all of his confidence in his faith and all of these things in this moment of his sinfulness and his failure, they were rubble and they were shifting sand. And that if he would seek the face of God, he would stand on the rock of God. He goes to a terrible fear in verse 10. And we, I, I can't spend a lot of time on it. But if you do time in counseling and you, you talk to hurting people, you're going to go to this over and over. and oh, It's so much so that it's almost a joke. But let me tell you, the real life ain't no joke. Verse 10, when my father and my mother forsake me. I could preach for three hours on the pain that children endure for the rest of their lives on what their parents do to them. Little kid, I, I can't count the number of people who are 50 and 60 years old who weep and break down because their dad did this or their mother did this. You'd think they'd get over it. They got married. They had children. They, they lived their life. No, they can't. And David is addressing a very real pain here. When my father and my mother forsake me. I mean, come on. He's, he's, he's talking about the kind of fear that, that honestly is scarier than the enemy. We know the enemy wants to kill us, right? But when your mom and dad, they forsake you, they turn their back on you, they... They do things like that to you, whatever it is, hurt you. He said, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord won't. Amen? We could talk about that a lot. We're going to move on. Verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in the plain path. You see, our, our, our parents hurt us so much because they are so much to us. But God says, I want to be your father. I'm going to be your mother. I'm going to care for you. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to disappoint you. 
Verse 11, he's asking God to be his father. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in the plain path. What do moms and dads do? That's what they do. Deliver me not over to the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen against me, such as breathe out cruelty, right? What are we afraid of? Being talked about, being falsely accused. A lot of fears here. He says in verse 13, he said, I had fainted. If you read, if you read Isaiah 40, that's what it talks about at the end. It says, people that are faint, people that are about ready to just give up, people that are ready to quit, right? What does it say? Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint, right? They that wait upon the Lord. They're not talking about they that sit around. No, they're the ones that are looking and waiting and hoping for God to come. Courage waits. Courage expects. Courage looks for. Courage says, where is God? Now, he's coming around the corner. He'll be coming around the mountain when he comes. You're like scared. He'll be coming around the mountain when he comes. He'll be coming around the mountain. He'll be coming around the mountain. And you're like, where's he come? Titus tells us, unto those that look for him shall he appear. I had fainted unless I had believed. Can you see the power of what I'm telling you? This is what this psalm says. I had fainted unless I had believed to see. Everybody say, believe to see. That's what courage is. You're believing to see. I would have given up. I would have despaired. And that's what fear does. Fear wants you to go, he's not coming. He's not going to show up. This bad thing's going to happen. It's not going to work out. You're not going to get married. You're not going to get that job. You're not going to pass that test. You're not going to, no one's going to like you. Your life is, you're not going to be sick. That's what the, that's what the devil, he loves to talk all that trash to you. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he reminds us all in verse 14, the final verse, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Everybody say, courage waits. Fear makes us forget. But courage waits. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. And then he, just in case you didn't hear it, he says it again, wait. I say on the Lord. I'm going to read for you from 1 John. Um, Herein is our love made perfect. Here is our love matured that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so we are in this world. Jesus came in the world. He lived in the world. And Jesus was subject to the fears and temptations that we all have. He sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, facing death, knowing that sin that he had never committed, sin would be placed upon him. He would have to go into the grave. This was, you you might go, could Jesus be scared? Perfect love must have cast out all that fear. Perfect love casts up. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. How many of you want fear to be cast out of your life? I sure do. And what's amazing to me is that the answer to it in 1 John is, you know what will happen when fear gets cast out of your life? You'll finally learn to love people. I mean, that really wouldn't be, if I were writing it, that's what, I I wouldn't put that next, but the Holy Spirit knows. The result of fear cast out is how we love people. And when you're around people that love people, you know there's not a lot of fear in them. It says this, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love, but we love him because he first loved us. We don't love him because if we don't, he's going to hurt us. If a man say, I love God, but he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not? And this is the commandment that we have from him that he who loves God will love his brother also. 
When love is made perfect in us, we're not afraid to love. And we just do it. We just put our heart out there and we go, oh, you're going to get hurt. Go, That's right. Jesus got hurt too. And he saved the world. You're going to get hurt. It'll hurt. But it'll save the world. Let us pray. Oh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Oh, God. No one. And nothing. But you. And even that fear of you matures and even casts out that for love of you. Oh, Lord, grow in us and up in us and bear fruit in us with your perfect love and from it. Lord, may we dwell in your pavilion. May you hide us in your tabernacle. May you set our feet upon the rock that doesn't move. May you be our mother and our father who will never forsake us or scar us or hurt us. Lord, be that for us. Be our father and our mother, our pavilion, our safety, our confidence. And Lord, cast out our fear. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.